Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, kicks off a new series titled Better Together with a message, The Products of Unity. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Amen. It's an awesome weekend this weekend. Come on, let's give it up for the Lord. Say hi to our South Shore campus and our Plant City campus. What's up? God bless you. Delighted to be with you today. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, we pray for everybody who is suffering with illness right now. We ask, God, that you would just bind, just bind up this COVID-19 in Jesus' name. God, lay, lay your hand on it. Change the protocol. Change the protocol in the hospitals, God. We, we ask you these circumstances that are taking place in Afghanistan, Lord Jesus, do what only you can do. Give them courage in their hearts, we pray. Shelter the poor, heal the sick, God, and deal with all of these issues. Those who are suffering from Ida, we thank you that you are on your throne, that you've not left us, nor have you ever forsaken us, and we pray for hope in Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen and amen. Thank you. So many things that we could pray for, right? So many, so many things. We're starting a new series today called Better Together, Better Together. And we believe that uh, your individual success is intimately linked to the success of being connected to a group of people. So when you're in a regular uh, sort of routine of connecting with other people, we believe that you'll go further, faster in your life for Jesus. Amen? You'll, you'll go further faster. It does take a commitment. We call it here at the crossing, doing life together, doing life together. And we know that it, uh, next week I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of taking down the barriers and what it takes to do it. We'll get real practical for you, but really we believe that doing life together is way better than doing it independently. Years ago, almost 30 years ago now, my wife and I joined our first life group. We call them life groups. They meet weekly in homes, and so it takes a big church, and it, it brings it down to a manageable space and grace and to get to know people and relate and connect and grow. Years ago, uh, how many of you came from a Catholic background? Raise your hand nice and tall. About a third of the church of the crossing came from a Catholic background. God bless you. Uh, so we... Years ago, I came from a Catholic background too, and so I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I was an altar boy and, and all that, but we had no idea what it was like to go to a life group. We, we went to a small church, Baptist church, and heard the pastor teaching, and he kind of gave a message like this, started in a little series, and said, hey, get with somebody in your age and your stage, um, so, you know, kind of age and stage of life, whatever, make some friends and uh, go to their house. Now, we had no clue. My wife, how many of you know that uh, just men in the house, your wives are more intuitive than you are? They, they, they're more intuitive. My wife was just like, this is awesome. This is awesome. I was like, mm-mm. I don't, I don't think this is cool at all. I, I don't know what they're going to do there. I'm, this feels weird. Uh, she was good to go. I was kind of dragging my feet, but she encouraged me daily <laughs> until I conceded. I was like, all right, we're going to go. So we go to the life group. Uh, some friends of ours that we'd known just a short time, first time ever in life group, had no concept whatsoever. I had no idea. I didn't know if we we're going to be burning incense. I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> I had no concept, literally nothing. So we go into the group and <clears throat> they were studying a, a study called Marriage Builders and the, and the guy announced as soon as we got in, he said, hey, the book says that we should separate 
the guys on one side of the house to study and the girls on the other side of the house to study. This was the first 15 minutes in the group. So I'm literally looking at my wife going, oh my goodness, this cannot be happening. So she was gracious to me, patted me and said, you'll be all right, and walked off. So I'm just, you know, we're going to the other side of the house and I'm thinking, this is it, it just got creepy. This is it. I'm thinking of my exit strategy. Well, what's going to happen? But to my, <laughs> can I get an amen? Come on, all you guys are with me now. I'm serious. To my uh, shock and surprise, the guys were really genuine. They were really, really real guys, really genuine. And, um, you know, I thought we were going to be like in a huddle, like crying. Ah, you know. <laughs> I was, none of that stuff, it was really real. There was laughter, like from the belly laughing. We even cut up some, like guys cut up. And I left that meeting, we came out, and I was like, dang. And I talked to my wife, she said, dang. And then we were like, man, we, we need this. We never left that group, we never left it. We stayed in that group for years and, and we had some of the, we grew some of the best friends that we've ever had in our life, friends, lifelong friends to this day. God will do something with your life if you just take that little extra grace step. Amen. Amen. And amen. And amen. So maybe you've had the similar feelings that I described today. And, you know, maybe you're just, uh, you're checking out the crossing online. You're finding out who we are and, or maybe you're visiting now in person at one of our campuses and, or maybe you've come to the crossing and you're, you're coming back now in person and you're thinking, it's great, this is great. I'm, I'm comfortable in the setting, but it's a little stretching to think about joining somebody in their home. And so hopefully today, I'm gonna talk about unity and what it means to all of us. And I hope to give us a picture of why it is so important. It is so important. So here's a picture. We'll jump into scripture, Ephesians 4, one through six. This is NIV. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. That's enough of the scripture, right? I mean, that, that is, that's a lot. That's a lot. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Stay connected to one another. Challenge in the season four. There's one body one spirit, just as you were called the one hope you were called to. And if you see it on the screen, say this with me. Say this with me. Verse five, say one. There's one Lord. There's one faith. Come on, say it with me. One faith, one baptism, one God and father of us all, over all, in all, and through all. The Bible is not trying to say that we should all be alike. Praise the Lord. It, it, he's not, God is not saying to us, I want you to all be sort of clones. I want you to, I love the diversity, God says. Take a look around at your campus. Just take a look around. Look at the diversity in the Crossing Church. It looks just like the city of Tampa, amen? Yeah. Looks just like Tampa, looks just like Tampa. And, and he's saying, so I love the diversity and the complexity. I just want you to be one. Everybody say one. I want you to be of one mind, one heart, one spirit. The Bible says that this means to live in one accord. It, and, and this, you might get a picture, all right? But it might not be exactly the same picture that you're thinking of. <laughs> Let me update the picture for us, all right? <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Instead, this is so needed in our culture, we have forgotten how to talk to one another, haven't we? Instead, 
speaking the truth in love, we shall in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, how many of you are familiar with uh, Iron Man, the movie Iron Man, Iron Man 3? Everybody? Good, all right. Think of the body of Christ as him calling on his suit and all of us are the parts of the suit and it, it comes at his command and it flies on his buddy. I, I, I love that picture, by the way. It's pretty awesome. It all comes together and it's got those cool little noises. Now, when you think about Christ that way and we are the parts of the body, when he calls on us, we unite, that's what it means to be one, we unite to dress his body so that he can manifest himself on earth. That he is the walking, talking son of God, even armed against the enemy. Amen. That's a little bit of an update Iron Man version for the body. So there's a pathway to unity. There, there's a pathway, and I'll give you three things here. Sorry for the alliteration. It's just what pastors do to realize and remain and receive. To realize and remain and receive. This is the pathway to unity. How many of you need unity in your marriage? Come on. Some of you are like, I'm not raising my hand. I will get myself in trouble. We need unity in marriage. We need it in our family. We need it in our schools. We need it in our city. We need it in our nation. Don't we, church? We need this really bad. We really need it bad. So when we, we realize, in, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus is having the Lord's Supper, and um, you know they didn't know it was the Lord's Supper. They were saying, I'm having the Lord's Supper, and I mean, I'm having dinner uh, with this man. Later, they're realizing more about his lordship, his lordship. And he's saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to pour out my life for you. And, and of course, he had the broken body and the shed blood. We understand today, but they didn't understand. They didn't really get it. He's saying, I'm going to die for you. And they were having the discussion about who was the greatest among them. And I want to give you the, the passage so you can go and look at it. You can look at it another time. Luke 22, 24 through 27. Just a few chapters later, though, in Luke chapter 24, 50 through 53, Jesus brought them out to a space, you can put that on the screen, near Bethany. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. That is a pretty good Monday. <laughs> I, and I often wonder if there's a sound, like I was just, I, I don't know, do you get into the scripture like this? Every time I'm thinking, like he went up. Uh, you have that imagination in the scripture. And so here's what happened. He was, he was ascended. Everybody say ascended. ascended. He was ascended. And then, then when he was ascended, they worshiped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually, very important, at the temple praising God. So before his ascension, they were worried about among themselves who was ascending. They were contending with one another for who was the greatest, but they needed to see Jesus raised up. Now, he had been raised from the dead to see him raised in his ascension, and then they all recognized, church, here's what unity looks like. I'm not the greatest. You're not the greatest. You're not the greatest. You're not the greatest. We're all second. He's first, and he's the greatest. That, that's why... Church, that's why we don't have to fight with one another about who's first and most, because we know who's first and most. 
And so having the vision of Jesus and his ascension means that we're not fighting for our own ascension. And so everything we're trained for mostly in America is to be first and most, right? God is saying, if you want to be great, how many of you want to be great? Come on. Does every, raise, I mean, every person want to be great? He says, if you want to be first, come on, I want to be first. He says, you need to be last. I totally tricked you. If you want, he says, if you want to be the leader, be the servant of all. That's where we get this notion of being second that you'll see on the screen. Jesus takes preeminent first place in our lives. He, he takes pole position and, and we're not arguing anymore. You don't, have to, you don't have to worry about so many things because we're all thinking the same thing. Jesus, you're elevated. Jesus, you're elevated. Jesus, you're elevated. We gotta realize, we gotta remain. Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with women Mary and the mother Mary of Jesus and his brothers. You know, the long-term goal of prayer isn't just to pray. However, if you pray, that's amazing. That is, that's awesome. We, we, we get it. One of the more challenging aspects of prayer is to constantly and continually keep praying. Right, church? It's to constantly and continually keep praying. You know, the waiting and expecting in the Lord, staying in the determination of prayer is what clothes the believer in power. As you're looking in the book of Acts and you see uh, Jesus having resurrected, they understand who he is now. And then the power at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. The gospel is preached. 3,000 people come to saving knowledge in Christ. And that all happened because they first realized, wait, 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 I'm not first. And second, they remained they went into a room, about 120 of them, and they prayed. And I want to ask you, church, listen, are you willing in this season to go into a room, lock yourself in that room, and stay at the feet of Jesus until he puts some new clothes on you? Until he puts some new clothes on you. Receive. In Acts 1, 4, and 5, and verse 8, on one occasion he was eating with them, and he gave them this command. This was the Lord's Supper as well. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. How many of you love the Christian word wait? Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. You! Eight, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. So the Lord is saying to us, he's saying, listen, if you just realize that you don't have to fight to be first. Come on, can we let that settle today in our congregation? You don't have to fight to be first. You don't have to. We know who's first. And then you remain. If you just remain there, then he will do the rest. He's gonna drop that power. He's gonna give you new clothes. He's gonna give you the grace. We all have the opportunity to do that coming very quickly. We're starting a seven-day fast, all right? Everybody celebrate fasting. Woo! All right. Some of you know it are like, woo. Some of you that know it are like, woo. <clears throat> the fast starts next weekend, the 11th and the 12th. We're going to call it Unplugged. We're calling it Unplugged. We really need this right now. The church really needs to fast. There's so much going on in the world. I, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> my heart is even seeing the pictures of what's going on in Afghanistan. I mean, I, we need to fast. The one thing that the church can do, we need to fast. We need to mobilize. There's so many things. So encouraging everyone to fast, 
everybody to fast. We want to unplug from the things that consume you in order to create capacity to receive more of what God wants to give you. And so I'm going to ask you for a, a several things, okay? Let's, let's all start with fasting some food. Everybody say food. All right, I know we're super excited about that. It's a great weekend. Have lots of food. Get ready to not have food. Right? If you, if you need to, uh, I'm going to refer a website to you here. If you've not done this before, I believe everybody can start with minimizing some food. I really do. You don't have to go from zero to 100, but you can minimize what you're doing. Do it the right way, but everybody can do this. Secondly, media. I think our lives would change if we could, un this is a seven day fast, by the way. I hadn't told you how long it was. You were thinking it's 40 days. It's just seven days, seven days. All right. You can start on the 11th or the 12th and, and we'll go. The next one is abstinence. Okay. And, uh, abstinence just means that you, uh, don't engage. Everybody, you can do it. You can make it. Okay. You can make it. The last one is idols. And whatever the idol is, whatever's, whatever's propped up, instead of you depending on Jesus, whatever's propped up in your life, that you would remove it. Everybody feel okay about those four things? Yes. Okay, good. Three of you, that's awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> so we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. Uh, we need to do this. If you've never experienced the power of prayer and fasting, I'm going to ask you to go hard. Don't go soft. Go hard. Go after it. Uh, look at your schedule. Look at your work day. Be smart about how you fast. Be smart. But let's fast and see God move. Here's the website that you can go to. It's got information for you, how-tos. It's an email. It's church. We, we, the reason why we fast isn't for God to hear us, it's for us to hear God. That's, that's why we fast. So there's some products of unity, products, and it's united giving and united serving and united sharing. There's, there's, this is what God does when we get together. This is a famous passage after Pentecost, what the church looked like. So there was, if you can imagine, there was no church. Jesus came back, they heard the gospel, 3,000 people got saved, and they all looked at each other and said, what should we do? And this is what it looked like, Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Watch this, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. How many of you know that meeting together in a life group is partly because there are brownies? <laughs> can I get an amen? When you go to a life group, you find out who can cook. You said, God bless you, sister. You can throw down. And if, it, if yeah, yes, all my people. Now, if you're brand new, please don't hear me saying you have to cook because you, you don't have to. People who love to cook automatically cook. Amen. If cooking is a spiritual gift it's from Jesus. 47, praising God and enjoying the favor. I'm so glad you guys like food. 
Get ready, we're fasting. <clears throat> eat, eat donuts this weekend. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. God, God wants this communal thing to happen where things matter. It's, it's great. I'm, I'm so glad. Can we just, I feel like we, we need to like cheer it up for a second. I'm so glad that you're here online at our campuses and you're here. Can we thank you God? Can we thank God? Come on, let's cheer. Okay, listen. Good job. Here's what I want to say to you. Listen, watch what, watch this. There's more. There's more. I, pr I promise. It takes commitment and all those things. There's more. United giving. Acts 4, 32 and 35, God says the believers were in one heart and one mind no one claimed their possessions were their own. This is, amaz this is amazing. They shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy person. Say no one. No. There wasn't a single person that had need. From time to time, those who owned land and houses, they sold them, they brought the money to the sale, from the sales, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and they said, please give this to whoever needs it. Amazing. Notice that the passage says all and everyone, and they were one. That's the power of unity. That really is the power of unity. Imagine what that would look like. We sometimes have the wrong mentality to think that if we can't solve the entire problem, sometimes my mind shifts to that. If I can't solve the entire problem, I, I dismiss myself of being part of the solution. And what God says is he's saying it to us, listen, but to the extent of the problem should not dictate our engagement in the solution. Instead, God calls us to see ourselves as partners, collectively uniting together so that we might gather his resources to help people across the street, literally right here, Claremel, talking at Tampa campus, South Shore and Plant City, across the street and around the world, around the world. So God's giving us an opportunity to do this. We've been waiting and planning and thinking and asking the Lord, and so we're, we're partnering with Samaritan's Purse, all right? Billy Graham's son, Franklin, is the one who runs the ministry, and um, I am asking us right now, if you would just consider giving to those who are in Afghanistan, because I think we have to do something. I think we, we, I, we can't just do nothing, church. We have to do something. So whatever the Lord puts on your heart, would you just begin to ask him while I'm teaching right now? You just ask, it, and if we ask, God is so faithful to do it. We just, just ask to say, Lord, how, how would you like for me to help? And please give to the general fund. Please don't designate something. Don't, don't name it. Here's the reason why. It gives us a lot of latitude to dispense those resources because things change so quickly, don't they? I mean, it's war, famine, flood. We also want to help those who are dealing with Ida. You know, there was a million people last week, a million people without uh, power. And I know we're, you know, you're like, no, you don't know right around the rest of the world. Things get pretty rugged when you don't have power. And they get pretty rugged pretty quickly. We, we're not used to not having power, flooding and so on. And, and so uh, we are partnering with Samaritan's Purse and um, they are, they're asking us to become a regional response uh, location so that we could help people. I want you to see this tractor trailer, this truck. Uh, if, if we finish the process with them, that tractor trailer will be permanently housed here at the crossing. And it has food and water and medicine and actually even temporary housing. And then we'll be asking you to join us so we could mobilize around the state of Florida and anywhere in the nation. Okay. God is good. 
Samaritan's Purse is an incredible organization. They share Jesus wherever they go. Lots of people trust in Christ. So I would ask you to think about that. United giving. Secondly, united serving. Historians estimate that in AD 250, a short time after Christ's ascension, Christians were feeding more than 1,500 destitute people in Rome every day. Christian, this, the small church that came out of Jerusalem was feeding 1,500 people. And, and this is a quote from Emperor Julian, who was not a Christian. He, he was not a Christian. He was a cohort over a group of people who were Jewish, and he was speaking about how well Christians love other people. Check this out. <clears throat> who was an opponent to the Christian faith, wanted to reintroduce paganism, that's occult worship, paganism in the mid-300s. He said this, Christianity has been specifically or specially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care of the burial of the dead. It is a scandal that there's not a single Jew who's a beggar and that the Christians care not only for their own poor, but also for ours as well. While those who belong to us look in vain for help that we should be rendering them. Come on, what would it look like if the church looked like that today, church? Come on, man. People don't care about what we know until they care until they know that we care. People don't, people don't, they don't care about what we know until they know we care for them. Martin Luther King said this, life's most persistent and urgent question is this, what are you doing for others? Most persistent and urgent question, what are you doing for others? And I, I so I, Martin Luther King, I, I'm just sad that the movements today are devoid of the love and the devotion of Jesus that that man brought to our nation. I, I really am. It's completely different. The movements, the movements are, are different. Martin Luther King uh, loved Jesus, and he came to the nation with love and compassion. His approach was amazing. United giving, united serving, and united sharing. The commission to share the gospel is amplified in unity. In John 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples, and he said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message and that all of them may be, say it with me, they may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and they, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete, say it with me, unity, complete unity. Then, when the church acts like the church and the church loves one another and we love in marriage and we have unity in our, in our families, we have unity in our homes, we bring unity in our schools, and we bring unity to our civics and we bring unity to our community and when we bring unity to the nation, then the world will say, I wanna know about Jesus. I wanna know about this Jesus. Then the world will know that you sent me and I've loved them even as you have loved me. I received a message from a man in our church a few days ago who's caring for his ailing mother. And boy, can we just pause right now and pray for everybody who's caring for somebody else who's sick? I, I mean, it is, it is, it is, man, it is. Here's a, here's a quick prayer. Lord, in the name of Jesus, give us strength to care for those who don't have strength. Give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Caring for his ailing mother, and here, here's what he said. Neither of my parents have ever had any spiritual belief but when I arrived at their house today, they told me that they had just read the Lord's Prayer. He said he was, he was very surprised. That they, had, they said, we just read the Lord's Prayer. 
I boldly followed up by asking them if I could lead them in a prayer of salvation to trust Jesus as Savior. My mom has Alzheimer's, so I'm not sure just how much she knew of what she was doing, but she did clasp her hands together, fold her hands together when I was praying to lead them in the prayer of salvation. And then, yeah, we can clap for that. The Lord's good. So we never, with some of the things that we struggle with, there, there are places and times when God just responds. He, he just responds, there's lucidity. And, and then he went on and he said, thank you for teaching us how to lead others to Christ. Thank you. Thank you. So if you're still, if you're still feeling like you could go it alone, um, just consider the difficulty of the journey. Here's a, a proverb, an African proverb, and uh, it's, it's pretty cool. If you want to go fast, go alone. <laughs> that has so many implications. Uh, if, if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go far, go, go together. And I'll end like this. Um, Robin, we're going to watch a, a short clip of a man named Robin Williams. Many of you, how many of you remember Robin Williams? This was an amazing man, comedian, actor, and um, here, here's what it's called. We, we clipped together a few little clips. It's kind of a little autobiography of him and the end of his life, and, and uh, here's what it's called. We see it too late. We, we see things too late. The fragile meaning of life, and um, the audio, the digital compression isn't great, but I want you to be listening um, and also, he's got his personality in there. He says a Buddhist gift at one point. Just disregard that because right behind it, he says the ultimate Christian gift. And I, I want you to hear this about Robin Williams. Performing and doing all these things, we never acknowledge anything negative. Where it's, and if you do, it gets very violent. Like the time, uh -huh. what happens immediately after the scene you just saw is he starts to confront who you are. So uh -huh. you, I know who you are. And he, get, he would have really hurt Jeff's character if he'd gone any further. And that's why he goes, the hallucination guards against that. It's basically, it is freeing to create that character because yeah, you can really so. explore kind of where you've been and the aspects of why you would want to deny and that kind of whole aspect of, you know, performing for the sake of just avoiding. For him, love is such a delicate thing that if, and even getting it back again, triggers another one of the breakdowns. Uh -huh. It's so fragile for him. And that's what makes it interesting. That's why I did it. There's a sadness and then you have to go, and there's also hope. I mean, a sadness, it's always like, yeah, you wish they hadn't happened, but they did. And the purpose is to make you different. It's what they call a Buddhist gift. I would call it the ultimate Christian gift. It's that idea of you're back and you realize the thing that matters are others. Way beyond yourself. Self goes away. Ego, bye-bye. You're not easy on yourself in this show, are you? No. You know, as an alcoholic, I talk about, you know, some warning signs, you know, like DUIs in a cul-de-sac, things like that. The idea of, you know, have you been through it to talk about it and see, like, you know, this is what you go through. Heart surgery, you know, alcoholism. I went to rehab in wine country just to keep my options open. You know, these are things you got to talk about. Realize there are a lot, a lot of amazing people out there to be grateful for and a loving God. And that, other than that, good luck. That's what life is about. In the summer of 2012, Robin Williams wrote a note in the inside cover of his 12-step book, just a short sentence detailing what he hoped might be his legacy, and he wrote, I want to help people be less afraid. Two years later, he died by suicide at the age of 63, a traumatic end, a tragic, traumatic end to a brilliant life. 
And so here's, here's where I want to end. I just, nobody, maybe other than Jesus, knows how alone we can feel sometimes. Nobody. No matter what's on the outside, no matter how much, how much glow and how much favor, how much joy you can project on the outside, Jesus is the only one who knows what you need on the inside. And I believe every human being needs to know, they need to know people, and they need to be known. They need to be known. Somebody, somebody in a group needs to know who you are and know you need to know that they care. We, we need to know. In a life group is where you find somebody that will say to you, um, hey, listen, I don't think you should do that. Come on, can I get an amen? I don't, I don't, I don't think that's such a good idea. And in a life group where, you, where you'd go and you would go depressed and worried and anxious and you would leave saying, I've, I, got a, I got some grace back. I'm gonna make it through the week. I, I'm gonna make it. It's not, it's not just a sermon. It's not a message. It's the embodiment of who Jesus is. It's a connection with other people. It takes a commitment. I know it's a struggle. It could be a little scary. But what it does is it... it um, it makes Jesus real. Because a lot of times it's hard to connect from big to a platform. It is, let me just say this to you. When you see other people living for Jesus that are in your same space and grace, you go, come on church, you go, I can do that. Come on, I, I can do that. And I can do that. Can you imagine what the church would look like if we, if we all gave? If all of us, everybody say all. Come on, that's all. All is all. In Greek, it's all. In English, it's all. It's all. What if we all gave? We could go into our communities and we're driving down this pretty little obscure street going home and there are four or five times the number of people that are homeless just over the last year because of the trouble. If we gave, we can go into our communities and we could say, you know what, how many of you want to do something? I just, I mean, just like, don't you want to do something? Yeah. What if we all served and we'd say, we'd go, go to the city of Tampa and say to the mayor, we're ready, all 10,000 of us. Deploy us, what do you, whatever you want to do. And what if we all shared Jesus along the way? <laughs> Wouldn't it be an awesome thing to be in the grocery line and to have the compassion of Jesus. You're locked in your prayer room and God clothes you with power and you go to the grocery store. Uh, there's no Piggly Wiggly here, so that's in the West. It's a Publix where shopping is a pleasure. You go into the Publix. Thanks for the pitch there, Publix. Love you. You go into Publix and you've been hidden so long that you can't keep him hidden. And the gospel pours out of you, not because it's a mechanical thing that you're trying to do, but because we start loving people. That it gets real. It gets real. We're not just coming and going, listening and discarding. It gets real. The gospel starts to permeate out of us. That's what we're talking about in doing life together. That's what we're talking about. Would you join me in praying? Just bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus wants to be in community with you. And when you trust Christ, you join God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
absolute community for all of eternity. And he gives it to you then, and he gives it to you now. So would you say with me, every, every voice say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender. I give you my life. I know I've sinned. But I know today, you've given your life for me. We hope you enjoyed that message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget you can watch all of our past messages and our live broadcasts on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash crossingchurch to subscribe there. You can also download the Crossing Church app by searching for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store. Invite a friend and this weekend come out in person to one of our three locations. For times and more information, visit wearecrossing.com.